My kids have been asking for pets for quite a while. We tried frogs, we did that for a while, the frogs found a new family, um, but they are, they are persistent, and last month I finally agreed. I'm pretty sure, though, that they were hoping for a collie or a cat or even some uh, cuddly rodent, and instead we welcomed home about 500 composting red worms this small, wriggling thing, but together an amazing collection. They're just, there are so many of them. They make for admittedly rather odd company, but I've been a little surprised to be spending time looking to these creatures for wisdom, reminding myself to appreciate their work trying to trust their ways. Considering that they have no eyes and no ears and a really pretty limited brain, they are still rather remarkable. Their primary function, at least as far as we are concerned, is to take what we cannot use, food scraps and waste, and transform it into the basis of new life. And here we are, we return today to one of the most familiar of the parables, these funny upside-down, inside-out stories that Jesus loves to tell, which give us glimpses of the kingdom of God. Today, it's the parable of the sower or at least that's what we usually call it. That's what was tacked on, scholars believe, in this explanation that follows the the actual story, the parable. And yes, it, it illustrates God's lavish way of throwing good news and grace and possibility everywhere, not one place left off limits. But it's not just that. Often, parables hold many stories in one. They they throw multiple things alongside each other. This is actually what the word parable means, to throw alongside. They hold various truths to unpack, depending on how we enter in. And so, I would propose that This is also the parable of the soil. Just as we meet that lavish sower and watch him fling handfuls of grace generously in all directions, we also see the possibility of our engaging with him in this collaboration of what might take root, what might grow enough to bear fruit. Here's the thing. None of that soil got the way it did on its own. Some was trampled, used up. Some was left untilled, unprepared, with no one moving the rocks to a more valuable place or or helping the brambles to grow where they too would do best. 
And the good soil? Well, not since the dawn of widespread agriculture has there been much soil that was good simply on its own. Not unless we're ready to just go back to wilderness. Soil needs tending. Tending, as in someone to pay attention to it. Remembering what happened last year and the year before that. And planning this season accordingly. Noticing what it has too much of or too little of. And responding with carefully measured support. Maybe as much as anything... Soil needs help to be turned over, loosened, opened up. In the kingdom of God, we are many things, and one of them is dirt. New things can grow in us or not. New ideas or practices can seem enticing but fizzle before they really take root. The offer of love can be choked out by all the other demands on our attention. They can be snatched away before we even have the chance to begin. But sometimes, sometimes this good news takes root. Sometimes grace finds its way in and grows until it bears fruit. But this doesn't usually happen accidentally or alone. Working the soil itself is a practice and one that happens in collaboration. We need help to take what appears to be refuse, all the stuff in our lives that seems like spoil, seems like it's broken, or like it just fouls up the rest of our days. We need help to take that heartache and work it until it's something else, until it's broken down into rich soil and transformed into openness and the possibility of new life. That's part of what Christian community exists for, I think, to be this wildly countercultural place where we can come together and say to another human being, I messed up, or... I'm really hurting. This is the place to come when we're lost and hungry and tired of pretending that we know the way forward on our own. This is where we can come with the refuse of our loss, not to put that pain on other people, but because, incredibly, There are people who are ready and willing to carry it with us, to spread out the burden, to make room for God to transform it into something new. One of my favorite authors of late is Ross Gay. He's a poet and a community gardener and... Uh, As just a fun bonus, he's from my hometown, or works in my hometown now, teaching there in Indiana. Last fall, I was listening to an interview with him about his latest work, The Book of Delights. And 
I had to pull over on the back roads of Sonoma County and listen again and then again and again to his final words. Ross shared that one of the most beautiful things he'd ever heard spoken came from one of his students, an absolute treasure. She asked, what if we join our wildernesses together? What if we joined our wildernesses together? He wended his way through all the many wildernesses we know far too well. Illness and heartbreak, isolation and fear and addiction, the pain of being mortal, we could add global pandemics now, on and on. And then, having arrived at the heart of it, Ross ended with his own questions. He asked, is sorrow the true wild? And if it is, and if we join them, your wild to mine, what's that? For joining, too, is a kind of annihilation. What if we joined our sorrows, I'm saying? I'm saying, what if that is joy? Friends, what if we joined our sorrows? What if that is joy? What if that, the, the joining of our sor sorrows, what, what if that's the path to tilling the soil, to letting what seemed to be refuse, spoiled and useless, be turned instead to compost, the very stuff that will help goodness grow. And so I think it follows, and I mean this truly as the highest compliment, friends, but, but what if together we're not just the soil, but we're also the worms? Because as the body of Christ, we don't have to be afraid of the messy stuff the parts of all of our lives that we might otherwise think we had to hide or, or even throw away. With God, we can hold all of these pieces. We can work them together until new life begins to emerge again. We can work with it all enough that there comes to be openness, room for new seeds to be sown Space for the sower's grace to be lavishly tossed this way and take root. There's one last thing I learned about these red composting worms this week. I discovered that while they can sense light but cannot see and can feel vibrations but cannot hear, and have only the very simplest of brains, I learned that these worms have five hearts. Now, I recognize that I may be seriously stretching the metaphor here, but I found this so striking. Because what we're really talking about today is the work of the heart not the work of the intellect, nothing to fix or solve, but slow, 
hard work that requires great heart. If there's one thing I have learned about you, the people of resurrection this year, it's that you are absolutely full of heart. Endless heart, boundless, selfless, creative, life-giving heart. You offer your hearts freely and openly to everyone who shows up here, however they arrive. So I can't help but think that this community is made for this messy vocation of taking what the world would deem to be waste and loss and heartbreak and then working it together until it becomes the stuff of life. Friends, what if we joined our sorrows? What if that is joy? What if that is the way to open ourselves to this lavish gift of grace, thrown freely in every direction?